Resonate family, everyone joining us today for Church Online. It's great to have you with us. And I've said this every week since we started this online church reality that, make no mistake, we are having some church and it's good to be with you. Here's what I've been praying for you, believing for you. In fact, honestly, all this week, I have been excited to get this message to you. This is the thought that God sees what you're going through right now and has the answer for what you're going through. So here's what I'm believing that in these next few moments, regardless of what the Uh, atmosphere of your home feels like right now, whether it feels a little chaotic, whether it feels like there's a lot of distractions, whether it feels like you're fully dialed in and ready to go. I hope you've got the coffee and the blanket. Wherever your heart feels at today, my prayer for you is that in the next 25 minutes as we go to God's word, you would feel like God's right there with you. In fact, he has sent the Holy Spirit so that at all times in all homes, he could be with you. And I'm excited to to go to God's word and believe God is going to bring about a shift in your soul as a result of time in his presence today. I want to again look into the camera, let you know, and I've again said this every week, how much Rachel and I love you, Resonate family. And I was here early this morning at headquarters and praying for you. And as I was thinking of some of you, I was writing down your names and just thinking, first of all, how much we miss you, but also just thinking how much we love you. I'm so thankful for our church. We want you to know how much you mean to us. I've spoken to some people this week that you're doing really well. And in the midst of all this, I've heard great stories of how God is building faith and and renewing some strength and, and building up your faith life. And I've talked to other people this week, and this has been one of the hardest weeks of their life. And I want you to know again, wherever you're at, God knows what you need to bring you through this moment. Today we're going to go to God's Word, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, and we're going to see that a number of different conditions of the heart that can result out of a place of pressing. In Matthew 26, what we find is Jesus leads his disciples the night before the cross to a garden. It's actually an olive orchard, and it's called Gethsemane. And that's important because the name literally means the press. How convenient that this crisis moment, he leads them to a place called the press. And it's there where he says this to them in Matthew 26, verse 36. He says, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now, isn't this interesting? He leads them to a place of pressing. And he says, what I want from you is to sit here and I'm going to go not, not much further, but just a little bit further away. And as I have been studying these scriptures and what I just noticed here was I think what a lot of us feel. Like God led you to a place of pressing right now, but it feels like he's just a little bit further away. I read the prayer request this week and was praying over the requests that have been sent in. And someone wrote in, they just said they feel like God's far away right now. And I think a lot of people have felt like that. Like where's God in the midst of this? And as I saw this, I, I had this idea. 
that he's led you to a place of pressing and it feels like he's further away, but, but he is still there with you. And actually he's asked you to sit down because what he's doing is he's developing some trust and he's saying, you can't worry your way through this crisis. You can't figure your way out through this crisis. You just need to sit here with me and wait and in this place of pressing, develop a whole new level of trust in God. Somebody at church online, at church at home, just raise a hand and say, that's where I'm at. I'm in the pressing right now. Well, what I've discovered in my own life, the more I follow Jesus, is that God does a lot in me in the blessing. We're going to sing that song later in the service today. The blessing. God is for you. He is with you. God will do some great things in you in the blessing, but also he will lead you in the pressing. In fact, God will often work on my joy and my contentment and my strength in the place of blessing, but God works on my heart in the pressing. And so here we are, the disciples get led to a place of pressing and we're going to encounter and, and watch as we see six different hearts get revealed. The place of uh, the condition of six different hearts in the midst of the pressing. Let's read on in verse 37 where we see that Jesus takes Peter and two sons of Zebedee. So he's got his three. These, these are the guys that are closest to him. So he's got the 11. His, he's down Judas at this point. He's got the 11. He takes them all to the olive orchard, but then he's got three that he brings a little bit further. And it's there that he begins to be sorrowful and troubled. So here's the first condition of the heart in the pressing. It's the troubled heart. The troubled heart. And I think it's very important for for some of you watching right now to have permission to know that you can let God know what you're going through. I think it's, some of you, you need that permission. You're like me. Like, I don't want, I don't want anyone to know if I'm not doing okay. I I don't want my kids to know. I I don't even really want my wife to know. I just want to project like it's all good, all strength, all the time. Some of y'all are like me. And I know, I know, you know, some of you just, that's you. It's, it's all together all the time. I'm thankful I got a therapist wife who's always like, you know, pushing me past that place. In fact, with the kids, I'm always trying to make it look like if, if Rachel and I were having like maybe a disagreement or, or a, some sort of uh, issue between us, I'll be like turning up the stereo. I'll be like, you know, just kind of turn up that Bruno Mars right there so they don't know what's going on in the back. It's just, it's all good. And then my therapist wife will turn it back down because she'll say, listen, if they don't see that you and I know how to process big emotions, how do they learn how? Oh my goodness. It's good to have a therapist wife sometimes. So here we see Jesus. He's the leader. He's the one that they're all looking to to navigate how they get through this moment. And he lets them see that his heart is sorrowful and troubled. Now he lets three people see that he's sorrowful and troubled. He doesn't let the whole crowd see. Jesus doesn't let everybody see. He doesn't stand up and preach to the crowds and begin his message saying, crowds, I just want you to crowds. I just want to address the crowd by calling you a crowd. Crowds, I am sorrowful and troubled in my heart. No, he doesn't do that. He allows three people to see where he's really at. And this is important. When it comes to the condition of your heart, you need to know, number one, that you've got permission to get real with God and other people, but not everyone needs to know, but someone needs to know. I think we've all been around those that it, it kind of felt like that they were just telling everybody and you don't want to feel like that, but you need to know that, that, that you're, not, you're not the bring it on everybody person if you're going to the right people. Not everyone needs to know, but somebody needs to know. And I think now in a crisis, now more than ever, we've got to know who are the people we go to with the real condition of our heart. Jesus knows that he's going to take it to the Father and he's going to let some people see it. Here's the fallout of this. The one place where you can receive all the care that your, your heart needs right now is with the Father. And you need to, and God has 
design the architecture of your soul and the, the systems of your heart to need to have people that know what you're going through. It's the sorrowful and the troubled heart and Jesus gives you permission to let some people know. Reading on, we see another condition of the heart, verse 39. It says that going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. And this is the first and only time in all of the Bible where we see that the desires of Jesus are leading him away from what is the will of the father. And now he passes the test. He doesn't give in to, into the desires of his heart. Remember, he's fully God, fully man, fully divine and fully human. And so he has these desires that are leading him away. And here's the second condition of the heart. It's the tempted heart. In this moment, he's tempted to go the direction of his desires and not towards the will of the Father. How many know that in a crisis and in a pressing, the desires of our heart will often lead us away from the will of God? In fact, in the pressing more than ever, we will face a tempted heart. Well, that's the bad news. Here's some good news. The pressing is also the greatest opportunity of your life to discover what really works to make it through. This is the best opportunity that you have ever had to discover what brings real comfort to your soul. Never had a better hour. Never had a better time to figure it out. Right now, we have the opportunity to discover that it's the presence of God and the right people in our lives that gets us through the pressing. I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm going to have the right people with me on the journey. That's how we deal with the tempted soul. And I had this as a, as a real practical take-home for us this week, is that I think now more than ever, we need to develop a schedule of connectedness. A schedule of connectedness means that you actually write down on paper when you are going to talk to those life-giving people in your world on a weekly basis right now. Because you see in the past, we could just get away with this sporadic, yeah, I'll call them when I need them sort of relational dynamic. It could just be sort of haphazard. Yeah, I've got people in my world and if I'm going through something, I will call them. Let me look into the camera and challenge you right where you're at. In the pressing, you need a schedule of when you got the life-giving people. You need to, like for Rachel and I, it's typically Thursday night is our date night, but we've had to up the ante and say, no, this is, we're gonna connect on this day and on this day and on this day. We've had to up the level of connectedness because how do we get through a crisis? By going to the Father and having the right people with us. You're saying, well, like, why are we doing a relationship series in the midst of the pressing? Because what's God given us? He's given us going to the Father and having the right people along with us. So in the hour of temptation, we need a schedule of connectedness. One of my best friends in the world is Pastor Jonathan Lambert, Experienced Church in Calgary. We always talk once a week just to, hey, how you doing? How's your heart? We pray for one another. We've had to up it in this season to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to have a, a, another just quick conversation. Just be more intentional with our connectedness. I'm coaching 10 leaders and Rachel coaches 10 other pastors as well across North America in this season. We've had just had to dial up our level of connectedness with them. I've never made more phone calls than I'm making at this point in my life. Why? Because we need connectedness more than ever because the temptation to go towards our desires away from the will of the Father is greater than it's ever been before. But if you've got the right people beside you, if you're ringing the right people, if you're telling them what's going on, come on, you've got to have the right things near you and the right things far away from you. I think we need to have, listen, for some of the people you struggle in this season of your life, the on the rise in this moment is pornography and depression and alcohol sales. Listen, all of these things that, that we need to be pushing further away from us, some of y'all need to like not go to sleep with your phone beside you. 
Some of you need to, to not have those, uh, just whatever it is in your world that something needs to be going farther away, well, something's getting closer, and I think it's people. So we've got the troubled heart, we've got the tempted heart. And then we see another heart in verse 39. This is what scripture says. Jesus is, says, nevertheless, Father, not like what, what I will, not what these desires of my heart are, but what, what you will. Jesus is saying, Father, I want your will, even if it includes pain and suffering, more than I want my desires, if that's ease and comfort. And can I just pause and say, wow. And the reason he's able to do this is that Jesus knows that the will of the Father, as as Romans says, is good and pleasing and perfect. And when you know that your Father is for you, and when you know that he loves you, and he put a will in place for your life that is good, pleasing, and perfect... When that's true, you and I can walk through the pressing and moments of pain and moments of suffering, understanding that God's will is the best thing for our lives. And we can choose this third condition of the heart, which is the, the, the heart that's surrendered. So we've got the, the troubled, the tempted, and the surrendered heart. Let's go to a fourth. And I know you're like, man, this is, this is a lot of points in a message. Six points in one message. And the point is not that you would remember these six things on Wednesday, but actually as we're going through this to just pay attention, like which one of these is standing out for you right now? Was it the troubled heart? Was it the tempted heart? Was it the surrendered heart? Here's the fourth one in verse 40. We see, then he returned to his disciples, found them sleeping. He said, couldn't you men? Keep watch with me for one hour. Here's the fourth condition of the heart in the pressing, and it's the sleeping heart. The sleeping heart. Oh, my goodness. How many want to be sleeping through a crisis? I'll tell you what. This, like, I remember when I was in university, there was a, a minor earthquake and up at SFU, and, and, and I remember I was, I was taking a nap. I was like a good college student. I was napping through the earthquake. I woke up, and my roommates were like, Man, did you feel that earthquake? And I was like, no, I slept through that. And some of us, that's what we want in the midst of a crisis. We just want the desire to go to sleep on some things is greater in a crisis. The desire to go to sleep on, on your heart. The desire to go to sleep on the will of God. The, the desire to just allow some pockets of complacency in our lives increases in the midst of a crisis. So here's a question for this one. Is there an area of your life that in the midst of a crisis that maybe you're allowing a pocket of complacency? I think that if the disciples of Jesus, come on, we've got Peter, James, and John. If these guys called by God, mentored in leadership by none other than Jesus himself, if they have a desire to go to sleep in a crisis, come on, you and I will too. And so we got to get honest. What am I, what am I going to sleep on in the midst of this? I mean, just practically speaking, how many would just say you want to go all day right now in your pajamas? And I think that's fine. You can have a day that you, you know, you're in your pajamas at 4 p.m. We have pajama parties at our house. We have some days where we feel like, okay, this is the day for us to hang out in our pajamas. But is it every day right now? Or is there this thing that's stirring up within us? Listen, Jesus is the giver of rest. Matthew tells us earlier in chapter 11, Jesus himself says, come to me, all you who are weary. If you're feeling burdened, come on, get over here. I'm gonna give you rest. He is the supplier of a real rest. What he's saying here is there's a distinction that in a moment of pressing, You can have rest, but you just can't go to sleep on some things. And sometimes a real rest is found in an orchard of pressing in the presence of God. And so the fourth condition of our heart that we can experience in the press is a sleeping heart. There's another one, verse 46. 
Jesus says, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Watch this. This one is the offended heart. Jesus does not have an offended heart, but right here is the potential for an offended heart because you likely know the story that Jesus had 12 disciples. One of them by the name of Judas goes and sells him out. Shows up right here with a swarm of armed guards to arrest Jesus and take him to a trial that would lead to the cross. Jesus is facing betrayal. If there was ever an hour in his life, Jesus had the opportunity for offense to just take root in his heart. To just have a bad attitude. To just be frustrated. To just be like, how dare you do this to me? To just want to get on the phone and be like, yo, you know what Judas just did to me? Come on, how many of us go there, right? That's not what Jesus does. He's got the call of God set before him. He knows the plan and purposes of God. And and we notice that he doesn't get hung up with an offended heart. But the opportunity for offense is magnified in a crisis. Oh, come on, somebody. You got a text and maybe before it could have like, you could have just rolled off that thing. But you're like, no, that, that stings. It just stings more in a crisis. Offense from your spouse. Come on, you're, just, you're feeling it. Like there's more arguing going on. Or a offense, maybe you feel like offense. Come on, be real. In your relationship with God right now. Because you feel like God's just not shown up in the way that you would have wanted him to. And there, come on, there's the potential for an offended heart. Nothing will block the flow of the spirit of God in your life more than an offended heart. And so we better pay attention to this. The potential for the offended heart in the midst of a crisis. Proverbs says this. It's got a lot to say about about offended hearts in the book of Proverbs. I love this text. It says, when a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. And this is what we do. This is our natural default response to someone offending us. What do we do? We don't go to the person. We don't go to God. Come on, that's, that's what we need to do. Actually, the first step is to go to God, take it to God and say, God, like, is this, can you just deal with this in my soul? I might not even need to go to this person. You might, I mean, just need to get with the Father and just let this one go. Or, or maybe I need to do, actually go and work this thing out. Those are the two right next steps we see in scripture. But how many know that when a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known and, and he lets it be known to an unrelated third party, right? This is the phone call where we just phone them up and it's like, Bring, bring, we're calling up Susie, and we get Susie on the, this is like the girl example. Get Susie on the line, and you're like, you're never going to believe what Sheila did to me. And Susie and Sarah are mad at Sheila, and all of a sudden, it's not just Sarah that's mad at Sheila, it's Susie that's mad at Sheila. I don't know if you can pay attention to all the S's. Come on, the guys get on the phone, and they're like, you're never going to believe what Sean did. Yo, bro, Sean just messed, Sean, Sean let me down, man. And all of a sudden, we're cutting off Sheila and Sean, but we're not just doing that ourselves. We're bringing unrelated third parties into the offense, and all of a sudden, they're carrying the same offense. This is the design of the devil, by the way, in the crisis. He wants your heart offended right now. He wants your eyes off. He wants your eyes off being a life-giving, encouraging, strengthening person. He just wants your heart just weighed down by what other people are doing or not doing. More than ever in the life of Jesus, he has the opportunity for offense. Jesus, Jesus doesn't have time to get on the phone to discuss his Judas hurt. And I'm not saying that you don't need a place to process your pain. I'm not saying you don't talk about it with someone. It's just that the someone is the father in the orchard of the press. That you get into the arms of the father and you say, I feel let down. I feel hurt and I'm going to bring it to you, God. And if you tell me that I need to process this with that other person, I'm going to go ahead and do that. But it's going to be out of love to let them know how they can grow, not for them to take care of my heart because they probably can't even take care of my heart. If they've offended you, they're probably not the person that's going to bring healing to you. 
come on, that flows from Jesus in his arms, in the embrace of the Father. Right now where there's a fence in your life and you've got, a, you've got discord in your marriage right now in the midst of a crisis and it feels like it's just more damaged than ever before. I want to let you know, come on, you're not the only one. We've all felt the offense in the press, but somebody, come on, let's see the example of Jesus. He takes it to the Father. And he stays so dialed in on the purposes of God. He's like, I don't, I don't have time. I don't have time to get hung up on this offense. Father, I'm going to bring it to you. Let it go. I love this verse in Proverbs. A person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. So here's the question for you in this one. In, in this pressing right now, is there an area in your life where there's some carried offense? Is there a fence that's like, it's not, even, it's not even connected to this moment. It's like it's from years ago. And today God's like, it's time to let that go in the presence of God. If you'd say, yeah, I don't really have any offense in my heart, I would dare you to look a little deeper. Because listen, we are all going to face a heightened opportunity for offense in the middle of the press. Well, there's one more condition of the heart that we see in the text. Verse 51. Now with that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest. <laughs> I love that Matthew protects the Peter of, or the, the identity of Peter here. Matthew is like, I'm not going to tell. I know who it was. I know it was Pete. But I'm just going to say it was one of Jesus' companions. But it, it's Peter, and he cuts, off, he cuts off a dude's ear. It's the last potential condition of our hearts in the middle of the press. And it's the angry heart. Peter's like, this ain't right. It's not cool. I'm not okay with what's going down right now. And so he decides I'm going to take it into my own hands. He's got an angry heart. <laughs> it got me thinking about just the, the inability of Peter to see the bigger picture and what God was doing. He was so focused on the injustice of Jesus being arrested in that moment and taking it into his own hands. And it sort of got me thinking about some of these new streaming things that are out where uh, you hit pause on a movie now or you hit pause on TV and it's just cool because when you used to hit pause when I was growing up when we had the blockbuster cards and you know you'd have to drive for like a half hour to get a movie and <laughs> now you just now we just play it in our homes but when you used to hit pause um, when you sit pause you just see like lines across the screen now you hit pause and you're like all the actors names show up tells you the name of the scene tells you the music that's playing in the background it's amazing you can see what that moment is and and doesn't this moment right now in our culture, doesn't this, this COVID-19 reality feel like somebody hit pause in the worst part of a movie? It feels like this is the part of the movie where this does not make sense and this shouldn't be happening. And not only is it happening, somebody hit pause. And I think what we need in this moment is to fly things out and be reminded that the story of our lives is not this scene. The story of our lives is not simply this unjust moment that feels like pause got pressed. The story of our lives, the story of scripture, the story of the Bible, the story of humanity, it, it has plagues and giants and floods and earthquakes, but the story of God is rescuing and redeeming. The story of God is bringing his people through. The story of God is building something in you in the midst of crisis. The story of God is miracles. The story of God is hope. The story of God is my hand is upon my people. The story of God doesn't matter if we do church at home 
home, God's still with you. The story of God doesn't matter if everyone betrays me and walks out. I'm still going. I'm going to the place of press and I'm coming to the place of the press with you, Father. And I'm not going to just have an angry heart and try and figure it out on my own. I'm going to be in this moment of press and I'm going to be here with you. And so I want to take a moment now at the end of this message and, and just kind of let's, let's, let's look back. Which one hits you today? Is it the troubled heart? You can get real with God. Not everyone needs to know. Someone needs to know. Is it the tempted heart? Where is crisis leading you towards your own desires instead of towards the plan of God? Who might you need to tell about that? Is it the surrendered heart? Are we actually being able to walk more and more into the will of God in our lives in the season of pressing? Is it the sleeping heart? What am I going, what am I going numb to? What am I finding myself wanting to just push away and fall asleep to? Is it the offended heart? Where might I just need to release something in the presence of God? Or is it the angry heart where I just feel like I just, I'm so frustrated in this moment. And today Jesus is, he's with you. God knows what you need and he's got what's gonna get you through today in his presence. Would you pray with me? We're gonna go into an amazing time of worship. We're gonna sing about the blessing of God. Come on, we need the blessing and we learn in the pressing. Come on, let's pray. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray for the Resonate family, everyone that's dialed in today online. This is the most challenging hour of our lives, but it's the greatest opportunity of our lives to discover that you're with us in the press. God, you've led us uh, to this moment in your presence where I believe a moment in your presence can change everything. And so God, as we worship you, right now in the midst of our greatest adversity, right now in the midst of what might have felt like, come on, your worship matters now more than ever. And we'll get to heaven and you'll be able to celebrate that in the worst moment, in the lowest moment, I gave God my best praise. I gave God my best worship and it lifted my heart out of the place it was in. And God wants to deal with your heart today so that we can have great relationships. God wants to bring your heart up so that your marriage gets stronger and your friendships get stronger. And on the other side of this, we lead the way in our culture in being those that are life-giving people that everyone wants to be around. And so God, today, build your church by the power of your spirit right now in our homes in Jesus' name.